Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Jennifer Roth. Uh, we started a new series last weekend on the book of Colossians. Um, actually, it's, it's a letter. Um, it's a letter to a church located in an ancient town called Colossae, which today would be in modern-day uh, Turkey. But the message in that, in that letter really is Christ is enough. That he, he is enough. It's, it's, his blood is enough. Uh, he, he covers all of our sin and our shame. And um, if you've got a Bible, go to page 1,870 if you're using the Pew Bible. Uh, this one looks just like this one. If you forgot your Bible or you don't have one, um, go to that page. You'll find the text of, I'm going to be talking about today. Um, and if you, if, 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 if you don't really navigate your way around the Bible, if you look on that right side column of, of page 1870, you'll see it says Christ is supreme in the Pew, in the Pew Bible. That's where I'm going to start here in a few moments. So um, years ago, a friend of mine named Tony um, invited a bunch of guys to go fishing with him in Alaska. And um, I had never been to Alaska. I worked for a fishing tackle company at the time. And uh, as a fisherman, the possibility of going to fish in Alaska is like going to the promised land. Uh, it was not a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land flowing with sockeye and king salmon. Uh, and so I was really excited about this trip. And being that I worked at a fishing tackle company, I had access to an arsenal of fishing tackle. Um, and so I began months ahead of time uh, preparing for this trip and, and gathering uh, fishing tackle that would be appropriate for every single circumstance that might come my way. Um, I was majorly prepared, and uh, my, my buddy Tony came over, and he was talking to me, and, and I showed him what I was gathering, and he said, hey, hey just wait, you don't need all that stuff, man. And he, he told me about his trip that he went on several years before. Um, he had brought a bunch of fishing tackle, was fishing this river for sockeye salmon, and he wasn't catching anything. Looked over, saw this guy who was catching fish, engaged in a conversation with him, asked him what he was using, and what he was using was this uh, little, little uh, it was a chartreuse yarn. It had a fancy name. It was called Fat and Fuzzy Chartreuse Yarn. Uh, and, uh, and so Tony went to the store, got some, went back out fishing, and slayed the salmon. He just did really, really well. And um, so he, what he was telling me was, you don't need any of that stuff, Steve. You just get that fat and fuzzy yarn, you're set. And even as he's telling me that, you know, I, I work for a fishing tackle company, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if the yarn is up to the task. I'm trying, I'm trying to believe what Tony is saying to me, um, and, but he's saying just leave other stuff behind. And so uh, true confessions, uh, the trip happens, and I secretly stash in my suitcase some of the stuff that I just might need uh, for the trip, and I, I never use it. Uh, because the yarn is, I mean, it is, it's the trick. We're, we, we catch a bunch of salmon, and, uh, and the yarn is the lure to have. Um, and in my mind, my mind was uh, this thought of, is this, this fat and fuzzy yarn, is it up to the task? Is it sufficient to the task? And that idea, that concept, moved from fishing now to the letter of Colossians, okay? You won't find the fishing stuff in here. Um, there's fishing in the Gospels, hallelujah. But in Colossians chapter one, um, we're, we're, we're talking about the sufficiency of Christ. When it comes to being acceptable to the Father, when it comes to be pleasing to God, is Christ enough? 
And what had happened in this church, they'd started out believing that Christ was enough, but then what they started to do, they started to add things to the good news of the gospel. This, this idea started to be taught that, yeah, Jesus is great. That, that's a great beginning, but if you really want to please God, there's some other stuff you need to do. I mean, yeah, you, you need to know Jesus, but if you really want to be acceptable to God, if you want to experience spiritual transformation and co- become the kind of person that God is happy with, there's some other things you need to do. Now, a little spoiler alert. We're going to go into chapter two here a bit, and I want to show you what those things, just real quickly, to show you the things they were adding to the gospel so that you'll understand what Paul is doing here in chapter one. Here's what they're doing. Uh, chapter two, verse eight, it says, uh, Paul is writing and saying, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. What is being communicated here is this, uh, this, uh, this addition of reason or intellectualism. That it's great, I mean, the gospel is simple, but you really need to, you need to add some things. You need to kind of dive into the secrets, the mysteries, and, and add some reason and some intellectualism to the gospel. The second thing they were adding, you find in verse 16. Paul says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, new moons, or Sabbaths. Now, those are fine things. It's just that when, when like Sabbath, you know, it's, it's good to have a day of rest. It's good to slow down. What they're doing is saying, if you don't celebrate Sabbath, if you don't take Sabbath, then your salvation is in question. So what they're doing here is they're adding ritual. First, they're adding reason or, or intellectualism, and now they're adding ritual. Like, if I do these things, God will be pleased with me. Which then leads us to the third thing they're adding. It's this, uh, in, in chapter 2, verses 20 and 23. Why do you keep following the rules of the world? These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. This one is obviously rules. You've got reason, you've got ritual, and now you've got rules. Because if, man, I tell you, you want, to put a, you want to put a smile on God's face? There's some rules you need to keep. There's some things that you should do, things you shouldn't touch, things you shouldn't taste. And if you do that, then God will be happy with you. And what they had done, what this church in Colossae had done, when why Paul is writing, is, is Paul is writing because there, there needs to be a mid-course correction. They're going a little bit sideways, and they're taking the centrality of Jesus Christ in the message of the good news of the gospel, and they're, they're adding extra weight, extra things to do in order to please God. If you were to put it in a math formula, it would, it would look like this. Jesus plus reason, ritual, and rules equals authentic spirituality. Or another way you could see it is Jesus plus reason, ritual, and rules equals being accepted by God. This is what was being taught to the church in Colossae, and this is why Paul is writing. This is their issue. And aren't you so glad that we don't struggle with this today? <laughs> yeah, we, we laugh because this, this whole subtle thing of, of the Jesus plus gospel is, is so prevalent. Um, uh, it, 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 I'll never forget this, this story that um, when Trina and I were in, in Kelso, Washington, I was pastoring my first church there. My grandmother, um, my mom's mom, came over for a visit. Uh, she was living in Idaho, and she visited us for a week. And she wanted to go to church. She wanted to hear her grandson preach. 
I'm sure that she never thought that that would ever happen. And so she wanted to see it firsthand. And, um, and so Saturday night, we're having dinner and we're talking and church is going to happen on Sunday. And grandma starts saying things that only grandmothers can say. All right. They're the, they're the only ones who can get away with this. And she's talking about her church. Specifically, she's commenting on her pastor at her church. And she says, that guy who leads our church, he is an irreverent slob. And like I said, only grandmas can get away with that, right? <laughs> and we're, we're like taken back. Like, Grandma, I, I, I think you have an opinion here. Um, you know, what's, what's going on? And, and she responds by saying, well, he gets up there and he preaches and all he wears is jeans and a shirt and no tie at all. He's just so sloppy. And, you know, I take a deep breath and I'm like, well, Grandma, you know, tomorrow when you come to church, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to wear a tie. I'm rethinking the whole jeans thing at this moment, but I'm not telling her that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm probably not going to wear a tie, and I, and I might wear jeans. And she looks at me and says, well, that's okay for you, but my pastor, he's a slob. And that's just really just kind of a silly, humorous example of, of the things that, that we add to what it looks like to be pleasing to God. Some of us grew up in traditions, and there's nothing wrong with this, unless we're saying that if, unless you dress a certain way, God isn't pleased with you. That, that's the Jesus plus gospel. I, I remember another story when my parents, we'd be you know, playing cards back in the day. You, know, you didn't use playing cards because people gambled with playing cards. Um, and, you know, and so you know, we had playing cards, and we'd be playing, and, and someone would come over, we'd see them through the front window, and mom and dad would qu- quick, and they'd get a box, and they'd just clear the table uh, because you know, Christians didn't use playing cards. Uh, so we got out rook cards and, and gambled with them. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's this idea that it's, it's, it's subtle, friends. It's subtle that if you really want to please God, you start with Jesus, but then there's other things you need to do. And we add intellectualism. We add uh, ritual. We add rules. And this is exactly what the church in Colossae was doing. And so Paul is gonna say to them, Christ is enough. And, and we get to verse 15, how he's going to do this. Now, the reason I explain chapter two for you is because what he's gonna do is he's going to paint them a magnificent picture of who Jesus Christ is. He wants them to know the Jesus story. So I wanna read beginning in verse 15 of chapter one of Colossians as Paul does that. Uh, Paul writes, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. 
yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now get this, you gotta hear this. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let that sink in. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. This is God's holy word. Do you know how when you hear someone's story, you you have a better appreciation for who they are and actually a better understanding of who they are? When you know someone's story, you get a sense of why they do the things that they do. Um, Last year in in the summer, Trina and I had uh, the privilege of traveling to uh, Southeast Asia and to to Cambodia. We got a a chance to speak to some missionaries there. And there's a missionary couple who are there who are from Salem Alliance, uh, Joe and Kay Kong. Some of you may may know Joe and Kay. Um, But we were there. I, I knew bits and pieces of Joe's story. Uh, but we had extended time, so I got to hear his entire story, and it, it totally helped me understand who he is. Joe, he, he, he tells the story that he was saved twice by God. The first time was in the, in the mid-1970s. He worked for the Cambodian government, and the government sent him on business to Vietnam. He and his family went to Vietnam, and what he didn't know is that just two weeks into this, this trip to Vietnam, while he was out of the country, uh, Cambodia fell to the Khmer Rouge led by Pol Pot. This was a time of incredible uh, devastation to the country of Cambodia. If, if you know anything about the killing fields, you know that millions of people lost their lives uh, there in, in Cambodia. And Joe says, he was a Buddhist at the time, fled, uh, was, was, in Viet, was in Vietnam, and then fled uh, Vietnam because of all that was going on uh, there in Cambodia. And it just so happens that Joe, as a refugee, it just so happens that Salem Alliance, in, in that, that period of time, was taking in refugees, refugees from Cambodia. And Joe and his wife at the time and the kids came to Salem. And this is where Joe was saved the second time. First time, unbeknownst to him, God had sent him out of the country two weeks before it fell, and then he was brought here to Salem Alliance, and he gave his life to, life to Christ here in Salem. In fact, he was baptized here at Salem Alliance Church. He was discipled, and, uh, and eventually he became a leader here at Salem Alliance. He became an elder, and to make a long story short, uh, he ends up becoming a leader in our denomination. Um, he, he travels all around the U.S., and he retires, and if you remember, if you were here, Joe and, and his wife Kay uh, were commissioned. They retired from the CMA, and they did not retire to the golf course. Joe and Kay retired and went back to Cambodia as missionaries, and they're serving there now. And, and it's a beautiful story that now Joe is, is proclaiming the good news of the gospel to, to a people who have been ravaged by the, the, the atrocities of, of the killing fields. And he's offering hope now. And when you know that story and the completeness of his story, this is not just a, you know, I mean, it, it's not just someone just wanting to, to share Christ with people. This is a guy compelled to share Christ with his own people. It helps you understand him. What Paul is doing here in Colossians chapter one is he's giving us the Jesus story. 
He's helping us to understand what's really going on here. And if you don't understand who Christ is, then you're not gonna understand how he could do the things that, that he's, he's saying he's doing for us. So there's really four words. If you know nothing about the Bible, you get these four words, you can just astound your friends with your knowledge of the scripture. It's just four words of the, of the Jesus story. This, this Bible, some people think this is a book of rules. This actually is just one big story. Uh, and, it, and, and the Jesus story captures it well. It begins with the word creation. Um, it, it's the word creation. Paul, in, in Colossians 1, verses 15 through 17, speaks about creation. Tells us that Jesus existed before creation. That he was supreme over all creation. That, that, uh, that he, he's holding all creation together. When the Father was saying, let there be light, Jesus was there. When the Father was saying, let there be vegetation, let there be plant, Jesus was there. And, and, and even our language betrays the realities of Genesis 1 and God saying, let, you know, let there be, because the word universe literally means one phrase. That, that's, that's creation. And in creation, this astounding thing happens. I mean, all this, the, the creation of oceans and animals and plants, and, and then there's the pinnacle of creation. The pinnacle of creation is the creation of humanity. You. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. And, and in the creation story, what we have is fantastic friendship between men and women and God. God goes through walks, he goes on walks with, with Adam in, in the garden. And there's fantastic friendship. And, uh, and, and this is creation, and you're the, you're the pinnacle of it. And he puts you in charge, he put Adam and Eve in charge to govern and care and sustain that garden that he created. David was thinking about this, and in Psalm 8, he, he's writing about this, this, this story. He says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. This is the first chapter in the Jesus story. Creation which then leads us to the second chapter, which is the word rebellion. God provided abundantly for Adam and Eve. This entire garden, it, abundant provision, eat from any tree you can eat and, and have your way, but there's one tree in the center of the garden that, that you can't eat from. There's abundant provision, and then there's restriction. One tree. Now, why would God do that? To hold us accountable. Because, I mean, it's Valentine's Day, Right? I mean, if, if, if you have a Valentine, um, do you want that person to love you because they have to or because they want to? True authentic love is the choice when someone chooses to love. God puts the restriction in the garden. Just one tree, you got abundant provision, but one restriction, and the reason it's there is to determine whose voice you are going to listen to. Are you gonna listen to God's voice or your own voice? And what happens is a rebellion occurs. Some of you, you know the story, but what ends up happening is Adam and Eve go to that tree and they obey their own promptings, their, their own, they listen to their own voice. And the essence of rebellion is mankind substituting themselves for God. It's the essence of rebellion. And, and so what does God do? I mean, think about world history. Think about you know, current day events. What happens when there's rebellion? Well, kings and leaders and presidents will squash rebellions. 
In fact, they'll get rebel leaders. They'll get rebels, and they will, they will not only incarcerate them, they're likely that they'll be executed. You want to get rid of rebels. You want to squash rebellions. And so here you have creation, and humanity has been created. They're the pinnacle of creation, and then you've got, you've got rebels. You've got rebellion. What does God do? Does he squash the rebellion? Does he abandon humanity, his creation? No, what he does is he rescues. You, you see all this in, in the Jesus story in Colossians chapter one. You see creation in, in verses 15 through 17. You see rebellion in verse 21. You were his enemies. You were separated from him by your actions and even your evil thoughts. You, you, you and I were rebels. And God's response is rescue. If the essence of rebellion is men and women substituting themselves for God, you need to understand rescue this way. The essence of the rescue is God substituting himself for you. God sends his one and only son, Jesus. This is the Jesus story. He sends his one and only son, who, by the way, is not a rebel. He has never rebelled. And Jesus Christ goes to the cross, and he pays the rebel's debt. He pays the price of every single rebel who's ever played a part in the rebellion, which is all of us, because God word, God's word tells us that, that all have sinned and all fall short of, of the standard, the glory of God. And, and if, that shouldn't surprise us that we don't live up to God's standards, because oftentimes we don't even live up to our own standards. And so what God does is he sends his son who is not a rebel and he, he pays the rebel's price on the cross in order that mankind might be rescued. And, and this is what happens when we put our faith in Christ. Only Christ can pay the rebel's debt. Do you understand what the people were doing in Colossae? What they were saying is, you know what? I can reason my way out of my rebel's debt. If I just get smart enough... If I just reason my way, I can reason my way out of my, my debt with God. Or if I, if I do enough religious stuff, if I, if I engage in enough ritual, somehow my rebel's debt will be paid. Or if I obey the rules and I don't touch and I don't taste and I don't go there and I do this, and then, then I'll be okay with God. And what, what, what Paul is saying is, friends, you don't have what it takes to pay the rebel's debt. But there is one who came who has not rebelled and he paid the rebel's debt for you and his name is Jesus. So you have creation, you've got rebellion, and now you've got rescue. And you see that rescue in verse 16, or verse 18. Christ is the head of the church. The church is the gathering of the rescued ones. And then you, you see it again in verse 22. Now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Reconciliation has taken place which then leads to restoration. Creation, rebellion, rescue, restoration. Restoration to such a point that Paul would dare to write these words. He would, he would dare to say that you have, you have been, been brought into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And again, like we said last week, when we say that we're saints, it almost feels like we're pretending because you're, you're, you're going, I'm married to that guy. I know he isn't a saint, right? I'm, that's my brother. That's my sister. I work, with, I work with her. 
You are positioned in Christ. You are a saint. Yes, we're saints who still sin, but we're trying to, we're by the power of Christ, overcoming sin. He, Paul would dare to say that we are in a place of such restoration that we could be completely righteous simply because Jesus Christ is enough. He is the fat and fuzzy chartreuse yarn. He's up to the task. And only he can accomplish this for us. So what, what happens in, in the Colossian church is that there's a little mid-course correction because they're adding stuff to the gospel. And, 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 and by the way, in this restoration piece, friends, there's a day Jesus is coming back. He's, he's coming back, and he's gonna restore all things. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And once again, we'll be given the charge to govern, care, and sustain. There's incredible meaning that we have been given in life. And, and what Paul is saying, he's saying, Colossians, you're doing this math, you're doing the Jesus plus, you know, the reason, the rituals, and the rules. I got some new math for you. Some of you are familiar with new math. I got some new math for you, Colossians. It's this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, as one author has put it. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. How is that possible? Because Jesus Christ is enough. He is the only one. He ex he's always existed. He existed before creation. He created you. He saw the rebellion. He sees the rebellion. And he doesn't choose to execute rebels. God, in fact, actually executes his son to pay the rebels' debt and to make it possible for restoration. Which, then let me just kind of land a plane here for a moment. Let's talk about current day. This is Colossians. This is a couple thousand years ago. Let's talk 2016, Salem, Oregon. A good question that we should be asking ourselves is this. Where are you in the Jesus story? We'll put the Jesus story up here on the screen. You've been created. You're here. Are, are you in the place of rebellion? Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to your voice or are you listening to God's voice? Are you walking in the way of Jesus? Have you experienced the rescue? Then if you have, you need to know. Before God the Father, you are without, you are blameless, free from accusation, completely holy in the Father's eyes. You're working out that salvation. You're, walk, you're, you're, you're walking the path of restoration but you don't have to fear. The problem is, is when we start adding things to the gospel, what ends up happening is, verse 23, it says, Paul says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The moment you start playing the Jesus plus gospel and adding things to it is the moment you're wondering, asking yourself the question is, how, how good is good enough? Your assurance of salvation is undermined because you're depending on your own performance. But when you, perform, when, you, when you put your assurance in the performance that was done on the cross by Jesus Christ, then you won't drift away. So wh where are you on this? Here, you need to know this. Oftentimes on weekends, people will come to the cross. They'll take a white ribbon that's at the base of the cross. They'll write their name on it, and they'll pound it on the cross. And that's their way of expressing publicly the experience of a rescue. Uh, uh, just we take them off at the end of the year. It's the beginning of the year, so we've got, we've got a handful that are, that are on the cross. You need to understand, every white ribbon on that cross 
has been pounded in by a rebel. Pounded in by someone who was humble enough to say, I don't have what it takes, but Christ is enough. He's my fat and fuzzy chartreuse yarn. They didn't say that, but I think you get the, I think you get the point. It's, it's understanding, being self-aware to know that they're broken, that we're sinful, and we need a savior. Um, and, and now, we can be reconciled. So where are you in this story? Here's the second question I'd ask is simply this. Are you adding anything to the good news? You gotta ask yourself this question. Is there anything in, in, that you're saying where you're saying, you know, um, I, I'm not really sure I'm pleasing to God. I'm not really sure I'm completely blameless and so I gotta do this other stuff just to you know, kind of cover my basis. Are you adding anything? And if you are, those things in and of themselves may not be bad things. They just can never save you. Are you adding anything to the good news of the gospel? Christ is enough. Now, let me just wrap up. I want to share a quick story of my experience as a senior in high school. I'm in a car with my dad, and we're, we're driving. I, I, I grew up in Hong Kong, and I'm living in Hong Kong, and I'm, I'm a senior. I'm, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about college and what I'm going to do. Uh, my dad starts a conversation with me, and, um, you know, my dad, uh, he's retired now, but he was a missionary in Hong Kong, China. My grandfather, my dad's dad, was uh, a missionary in southwest China. My dad's dad's dad, my great-grandfather, was a missionary in Tibet. So I'm a senior in high school thinking about my future, and there is a little bit of pressure to enter into the family business um, and, and to, you know, to, to be a, a missionary. And... And I remember my dad, it was just a short little conversation. Uh, he was talking to me and he, and he said, hey, Steve, I just want you to know one thing. I don't want you to feel pressure. I, don't be a missionary just to please me. Um, if that's what God calls you to do, then do it. But I want you to know that I'll be just as pleased with you if, if you feel like God's calling you to be a trash collector. The world needs good trash collectors. And if, if that's where God leads you, then do it and don't, don't ever for a moment think that, that I won't be proud of you. It's a short conversation and I just felt like it's a th- this thousand pounds off my shoulders that I didn't need to do this thing in order for my dad to be pleased with me. Can I just say this to you? Your father is pleased with you. Your heavenly dad is pleased with you. He's pleased with you because you're following his son, Jesus. You don't, go, you don't have to go do stuff in, in order for him to be pleased with you. In fact, even when we mess up, he still accepts us. You have a heavenly dad who is proud of you. Is it because of your fantastic performance? No, we're rebels. It's because of his son Jesus and our faith in him. And if you've never experienced the joy of that, even as a team and come, comes and joins me up in the platform, you can come and you can, you can pound the rebel's ribbon into the cross and say, I need this rescue. In fact, let's pray to that end. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for your generosity to us. Jesus, thank you for uh, your story. Thank you, for, thank you for rescuing us. 
Thank you for being willing to leave the glory of heaven, set aside all your divine prerogatives and take on flesh, humble yourself, and suffer a punishment that we should have suffered. Jesus, thank you that we have life in you. Thank you that there's possibility to go on walks in the garden with our Father again. You're the one who made it possible. So I ask and pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's not experienced that great gift, I pray, Lord, that they would sense that need so deeply, even this morning. And Lord, for those who have come to you as rescuer, that joy would flood their souls, that they would know that they're free from accusation and they have right standing with you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.